Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. All right, well, hey, happy Easter. Welcome to back to church. Anyone excited to be back at church? <laughs> I want to welcome everyone online. Come on, put our hands together for those watching online. Also, I'm going to invite you to actually get your phone out in church and go on to Facebook. I'm going to actually ask you to do that. Why? Because we believe in reaching people. We believe in making a difference. And listen, a lot of people tell me, Phil, I just forget every week. So this is your reminder. Go ahead and click share. Last week, because we'd done this, we got 30 shares instantly. So if that's something you'd like to do, um, maybe you're just like, no, Phil, I'm still trying to figure you out. I don't really trust you just yet. Don't know what you're going to say. Um, not ready. Well, that's okay, too. You're welcome. Well, hey, we're in the middle of a, a series called Prepare for Impact. This is the second part. And you know, obviously today we're going to talk about crucifixion. We're going to talk about the cross uh, in a deeper way and try to understand what was the whole deal with the cross. Because really, if we're honest, we call it the cross, and that's the language we've brought forward uh, because it's in a cross. But actually, in today's language, we're probably talking about capital punishment. We're talking about a man who, who in those days, had to undertake capital punishment the worst of the worst. Um, and the cruci crucifixion in those days, it was, the, it was the capital punishment which a victim was tied or nailed to a large wooden beam, which we call a cross, and left to hang for several days until eventual death from exhaustion. It was used by the Romans. So when we talk about the cross, I don't know what your background is, or maybe you're still trying to get your head around what is this cross, why are people wearing crosses, I've always seen it. I don't really get it. Well, really, it was capital punishment. It was the, a criminal's death. It was what they'd done. The, the same way we, we maybe inject people or electrocute people today, it was, the most it was the most humiliating act in society. Probably a mechanism also for control to make an example of someone and say, listen, this is what's going to happen if you're going to act up, if you're going to break the law, if you're going to do certain, a certain level of law breaking, well, we're going, we're, going to, we're going to make an example of you to the crowd, to try and control the crowd probably in some ways too. Um, and so this is, when we're talking about Jesus on the cross, this is what happened. So let's go ahead and pray. God, I just thank you for the cross. I thank you for what it means to us, but also what it done. We thank you that it's finished. I just pray, God, right now you would help me to speak clearly, help me and give me the words, Holy Spirit. Come and be my helper and speak to our hearts right now. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So today's message is called From Capital Punishment to Capital Commissioning. You see, that word capital is really important because when we think about the capital of a country, we're talking about really the designated place where the governing headquarters are. It's where a lot of the decisions are made, are, are supposed to be made, right? 
like on the hill at Stormont. They're supposed to be made. And so it's, it's where the administration, it's where the management happens, it's where all of the information from all the corners of the country, Northern Ireland or whatever country it is, they come to a head and they make decisions accordingly. So it's an important place, it's a pivotal place. When, when things are made there, it fluctuates and it, it overflows into even the tiniest villages and communities. Do you agree with me? The capital... In the same way, capital punishment was made by the governing authorities, Pilate, Pontius Pilate. He was, the government, he was the governing person in charge. He had to make a decision, and it impacted right to the, the smallest villages upon the earth today. But Jesus didn't just die for a nice story so that we could gather and have eggs at Easter. He didn't just die for history, sick, there was a purpose and there was a mission at hand. There was a commissioning that he died for, and it was for us. Can I get an amen? amen? But one thing I've missed time and time again when I read the story of, of the resurrection and the cross, and, and, and I think if you're honest, you've probably missed this, and we probably miss this on a daily basis. There's a man in the story of the crucifixion called Barabbas. Everyone say Barabbas. And Barabbas was a man who was basically, he was on death row with Jesus. He was on the, in the cell next door, sort of speak. And he was locked up in confinement the way they would be today. And, and they were heading for the same place. And I think in my daily life, sometimes I'm so focused on trying to get my way that I miss the Barabbas of every day. I'm so focused on my plans and, and my thinking and my strategies that sometimes I miss who Barabbas is. And maybe, just maybe you do too. So, so a little bit about Barabbas. Barabbas, we'll, we'll read the scripture here first in, in Mark 15. And it says, now, what's this? Now, it was the gov governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one pris prisoner. Everyone say, one prisoner anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at the time was, time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. He was a rebel. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. And so it's interesting that at this time, Pilate, he was suggesting, hey, would you like me to release the king of the Jews, Jesus? Because he realized that that Jesus was innocent. He realized that Jesus has actually done no wrong. Surely you want to release him. If there's anyone, he, I honestly believe he was nearly looking them to help him out because he was convicted and he was carrying a weight. Like we're about to make a wrong governance decision. This is not good. And he realized that it was the priests were doing this out of envy. The priests and the religious people of that time the religious uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, they wanted to kill Jesus because of envy, just jealousy. It's extreme behavior. So let's compare. Well, Barabbas was a criminal. Barabbas, I was watching a program on Netflix. Anyone been through every series on Netflix this year? Well, I was on, on, in one. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know the name, but it was about these people who went undercover into jails. 
and I think it was for a few months at a time, and they wanted to see what was going on within the jails, the dynamic of the jails, if there was anything that shouldn't be happening in there. And the, the, these, there's camera crews and all sorts, but the, what I started to see was there was always an instigator in each community within the jail. There was always one leader. There was always one rebel who, who controlled the jail by punishment beatings, to be quite honest, through fear. And when I think about Barabbas, I think about that person. Somebody who, who was driven by control, was driven to overpower, to create an uprising, and wherever Barabbas would go, th there would be trouble, and there would be conflict, and peace, and security could not be put in this person. And I, when I thought about Barabbas, and I thought about the comparison, like what did Jesus do when he was on the earth? And Pilate is probably thinking the same. Jesus came to the earth, and he, he made the blind person see. He came to the earth, and he seen hungry, and he fed them. He came to the earth, and he seen people who were beat up by their shame and their sorrow, and he spoke life into them to the point where they repented, turned around, and followed him. He was so attractive and pure in heart that the kids loved him. The little children were attracted to him. I don't know about you, but I, I know that if I'm not much fun, or if I'm, not giving, if I'm on my phone in the house, my, my nieces don't want to be around me. They actually called me out and said, Mom, why, why is Phil not, why is he spending so much time on his phone? Does it, Phil's no fun today. Does Phil, Phil not love us anymore? Like they'll come out with things like that because they call a spade a spade. They know when you actually care. Or they know that Phil cares more about his phone today than he cares about me. And, and I think about what Jesus done on the earth and how that translated to the children, to the elderly, to the woman who was caught in adultery. He leveled the playing field for her too. Pilate's going through all of these stories that he had heard about Jesus, but also seen. And he's realizing there's something quite not right. And he dug deep enough to realize, whoa, this is a, a problem with jealousy. This is, a, this is dysfunctional. This is destructive. This is chaotic. And really, I believe Pilate was saying, I don't want to have, to have anything to do with it. But the question is, who is Barabbas? Because we go on and see the story. And how the story plays itself out is that if you can picture Barabbas is heading for a cross. And to be quite honest, he was worthy of the cross. Anywhere he went, he caused chaos and dysfunction in society. There wasn't order. You wouldn't trust him with your children. You wouldn't want your kids hanging out with him or his family. If he had one, you wouldn't want to really be associated with Barabbas because he was a rebel. And, and he deserved to be on the cross. But I just picture him being locked up in prison and, and, and being chained. And then we go on to read here in, in verses 11. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, then what should I do with this man you call king of the Jews? They, they shouted back, crucify him. 
Can you believe it? Can you picture these two people in cells ready for capital punishment? Barabbas is, is probably just thinking, this is it. Probably thinking over his life, full of shame, full of guilt, knowing deep down that he's not worthy and he deserves the cross. And as he looked out, back upon his life, he probably wasn't proud. And it's a real moment of what was, that all, what was this life really all about? And, the, and he, he knows that this time of year, one person gets free. Do you think Barabbas is thinking, I'm going to get this in comparison to Jesus? As he hears the prison officer coming down, the key's shaking, and he's like, right, they're about to free somebody, and I, I, I put my house on it, I guarantee it's not me. And all of a sudden, he sees the rattle of the keys on his jail cell, and, and he's wondering, like, what, what, what do you want? And the prison officer said, and he's pretty, he's pretty saying it with like disbelief, like this shouldn't be happening, but he's saying, you're actually getting out. And he starts to unlock his chains and loosens the grip on his hands. And all of a sudden, this, this, this favor has come upon Barabbas that he knows he doesn't deserve and, and the cell's about to be open. It's nearly disbelief. It's hard to believe that I would be free. It's hard to believe that you... I'm sure he's think, just walking out, and he's, he's thinking about, oh my word, I can dream again. Oh my word, I might get to sit with my fam. I have a second chance. Oh my word, I can turn around. I can potentially turn my life. Oh my word, potential is starting to invade the space in my heart Again, oh my word, I don't deserve this. Oh my, why, what is going on? Who is Barabbas? You know who Barabbas is? Barabbas is you. And Barabbas is me. You see, Jesus took the punishment on the cross that Barabbas should have had and deserved and we deserved so that Barabbas could take the chains off and dream again and live again and walk again and he would get a second chance to live again because Jesus paid the price so that he could walk free. And if we grasp that kind of love and if we grasp that kind of sacrifice, what it allows us to do is to, to do this thing called repent. To be thankful. To seize the moment with thankfulness. To start fresh. To understand that we have shame. And we don't have to hide it, that we have guilt. And it's been paid for. And we walk out a free man. The definition of grace is unmerited favor, paid for, and it's given. One thing I've learned in life and, and been reminded of recently is my need for forgiveness. Just for general relationships with humans, not even with a perfect God, just surviving with humans. Because what I've realized, if I can't receive forgiveness for myself, I'm, I don't want to give it to anybody else. It's a, it's, a, 
It's if you hurt me, I'm going to be, I'm just going to react and hurt you back. Does anyone find that really easy to do? I find it so easy. If you hurt me, I find it so natural. <laughs> just hurt someone back and actually go harder. <laughs> uh, can I get an amen? And that's the problem. That what that leads me is to a place where my flesh wants to control and get security in myself. And the end product is Barabbas. I walk as Barabbas walked. I try to manipulate people. I try to manipulate situations. Why? To gain, gain some form of control. It's so easy for me to fall into that. But if I want relationships, if I want to show up like Jesus shows up, I have got to surrender and receive the grace of God, the unmerited favor that was given to me by the old rugged cross. It's the only solution, I believe, to humanity. It's the only way to break chains of fear. It's the only way for any kind of relationship to survive and be healthy. You and me, we're Barabbas. You see, if we don't crucify our flesh, we will crucify the Spirit of, the spirit of God that is available to us. We're in the middle of a season where we're believing for 5,000 invites. One a day. One invite, one day. And all we've asked our church to do, or, or the people who are willing to do that, is just ask the Spirit of God to lead you. Don't say people's no for them. And let's put our trust in a very simple way in what God puts in our heart. Don't keep questioning it. Don't try to work it out. Keep it simple. And I don't believe it's a miracle if it happens. I just believe it's some people who have given God space in their life. And when we do it, we will see the life that Jesus brought to the earth come in, but also through us. And we'll give freely. And it will be powerful. And we'll know that the power didn't come through our natural strength, but by the Spirit of God that lives in us when we surrender our life to Christ. But, but if we don't crucify the flesh, we, we, we psych ourselves out. If, we don't, if I don't crucify the flesh, I find it really hard to forgive because my natural mind and cognition doesn't think it makes sense. It says here in Galatians 5 and 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we're live, living by the Spirit... Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited and provoke one another or be jealous of one another. What put Jesus on the cross? Envy and jealousy. What limits God's power in your life? Envy and jealousy. Where does envy and jealousy come from? A lack of love and acceptance in your life. And the problem is with love is it's limited by people. And it's completely unlimited by God. The foundation I believe God has built for us, the cornerstone for us to stand upon in our life, was always intended to be Jesus Christ. 
and a sacrifice that gives us a love that nobody else on this earth can do. If you want to love people well, and unconditionally, you're going to have to, you're going to need some kind of love that is unlimited and continual. I remember somebody said this, if you want to be able to love somebody well, you have to be able to love somebody with a pure heart that cannot give you anything in return. So if somebody hurts you, the big question is, are you able, do you have the the ability or the capacity to love them back? And I'll be honest, a lot of the time I would say no. Actually, all of the time I would say no. And there's been hundreds, thousands, or millions of times that I actually have failed because my instant reaction is bite, lash out, respond in an instant. I don't bring gentle words. Sometimes it's a harsh word. Actually, most of the time it's a harsh word, especially if I get a harsh word. And what's happening there is my flesh kicks up and the spirit is not present. Whereas the Bible says that we should be slow to anger. And the only way I can be slow to anger is if I halt, if if I stop, and I'm not rushing around trying to make decisions. I love the, the idea that Jesus was never in a rush, but he was always on time. I believe that's because he prioritized God's presence. Right before the cross, he was about to undertake the hardest and most difficult decision his flesh would have to overcome. And he halted. He didn't try and drain his disciples of their faith. He didn't try and lean on their encouragement because they were sleeping most of the time. He actually went and he prayed. He halted so that he could pray. Why? What was he doing? He was allowing his spirit to, to rise up, to breathe, to grow, to strengthen. So that when he came to the, the moment And the crossroads of the situation, he would have the strength to say yes. Even he crucified his flesh. This is one thing I've learned about the flesh and even about the spirit. Is that I'm sure there's many people in here who would call themselves a Christ follower, who have surrendered their life and handed it over to what Jesus done on the cross. But I guarantee you that you would all say you'd done it probably out of a conviction spiritually before you understood everything in your mind. If we look at the disciples, how often were the disciples? Jesus just said, come with me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. He didn't say, let me explain everything first. Let me explain about, hey, Peter, the time you're going to cut people's ears off, how you're going to deny me three times. He didn't say anything about that. I'm not not even sure how how much he went into the, the Old Testament of the scriptures. But he journeyed with them because what I've realized is sometimes a lot of the time, the Spirit leads us places that we don't understand yet. I followed Christ before I knew or read the whole Bible. Why? Because the Spirit leads us. And the Spirit aligns with the Word. But, but if we're going to see God powerfully move and resurrect our lives... We can't let the Barabbas in us dominate the situation because wherever Barabbas went, there was a rising. Wherever Barabbas went, there was destruction because Barabbas represented our flesh, represents our sin. But God 
sent Jesus to die for that so that we could take on a new form, a new power, a new, a, a new might, and actually see change in our reactions to our spouse or to our friends when they reject us. Not just when they're not, but that, that's the key point for me personally. I know I'm maturing as, as a follower of Christ when, when I get hurt my flesh gets hurt that the flesh can over that the flesh can be overcome by the spirit because I've been feeding the spirit enough that it's powerful enough to say right what you done was hurt me there but how I break that curse is to show you love how I expose your sin is by giving you something that you didn't expect you see Barabbas was jailed he expected cro- the cross he expected the, the death He expected to be hanging on a cross and for his life to end, but he didn't get it. The cross gave him what he didn't deserve. He gave him the cross, give Jesus going on the cross, gave him what he didn't expect. And when the Spirit is in us and in operation, then we give people what they don't deserve. But we've got to give it from a place where we're a fullness. We've got to give it from a place of confidence. We can't give it on empty or we get burnt out. So the Spirit often leads us places before we understand. And lastly, number three, resurrection life looks like going. I I, I said this last week, I have missed millions of opportunities. I, I can't even count how many opportunities I've missed that the Spirit was leading me to because I wasn't listening, I was doing my own thing. Some, and, and when the flesh is in charge, a lot of the time it's destructive. It's always destructive when the, when the flesh is in charge, when the Barabbas in me is, is in control. I've missed millions of chances at work to share an invite, to share Christ with people. I've missed millions of opportunities to react the right way when I'm hurt and broken inside. I've missed millions of opportunities to love people and give them grace and truth. And really, honestly, it's because I I didn't have an expectation on myself to do that, and I didn't have the power to fulfill it. Because I wasn't praying, I wasn't giving God a chance to fill me. And here we are. Jesus has died. He has rose again. And there's chaos. Saturday was a Saturday of unknowns, confusion, discouragement. Maybe you're feeling that today. Or this season has been like that for the last year. And Jesus came back. And they didn't recognize him. He came in, in, in a way they didn't expect or understand or know. They were so saturated in disappointment, in discouragement. Their mind couldn't conceive what the Spirit was doing. But he ends up saying this, in Mark 16, verses 15 to 18. And then he told them, right before he was about to go to heaven, his mission had been complete. The grave was empty. He says, go into all the world 
and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned, will stay in the form that Barabbas was in. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe they will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And they will drink anything poisonous and it won't hurt them. They will, be, they will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. But Phil, I don't understand that. My mind can't conceive that. Who would I be as a human to do that? You see, Jesus died for that. And you can possess that. And I'll tell you a story as we just started in the last week to give out some invites. I probably, as I say, I've missed millions of opportunities. And as I pulled the, the invites out of my pocket and felt a bit nervous, unsure, my mind couldn't understand, sure, what, what, what good is this going to do? What use is just a piece of paper and an invite going, I can't change anyone's life. Why would they listen to me? And, and you know what? I was right. Why would they? It's not about me. It's not about my strength. It's not about how smart how strong, how good. I'm Barabbas. I don't have the power. I don't, we don't have the might. But when I look to the cross and how it doesn't make sense, but it happened anyhow, and how my sin and my, my limited abilities were put on the cross, And it was finished so that I could go into the world that I live in, into the house that I live in, into the relationships that I live in. And I could allow the Spirit to break the cycle of sin, to break the curse of sin, to break the power of sin, to ignite new life in my heart. I can love people who don't love me now. I can help people who don't help me. I can take on a new identity because I'm born again. I can actually repent because I realize that while I'm still a sinner, Christ died for me. That even when I'm unfaithful, he's faithful. And some of you, you're, in, you're discouraged right now. And you've hit a dead end and you think you're, it's hopeless. And this, this year has taken its toll on you. But the cross was about hope. And not just wishful hope. Sure hope. A hope. A hope that represents the prison officer who came to unlock the jail cell that was yours and was mine and takes the shackles off and you walk out free and you have access to God the Father wherever you go, in the car, 
down the street. He's ready. The opportunities are right in front of you to go to all the earth, to your loved ones, and to your enemies. You possess power. The spirit is ready. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. Let's stand. God, we just thank you. We thank you for the power of the cross. We thank you the victory in your name is won. And God, we get a chance to come under that power. We get a chance to receive those keys that that prison officer came with to release Barabbas. Some people in here, and we need to come out of our graves. We need to come out of our cells. And we need to receive the free gift of salvation that is available right here in this moment. So church, let's help those people along and say this prayer. Say this prayer along with me. God, I thank you for the keys of the kingdom that set me free from my sin. I am born brand new in Christ Jesus, my Lord. He died for me. He took my place. I give him my life right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put our hands together for those people who said yes to Jesus. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.